I'm tempted to take this book and just rip all my notes out. I don't know. There's so much going around in my heart and in my spirit. Not sure where we're going to land, but (laughs) sometimes when God gives you a word, you just have to speak it. So here's a word. Christianity is not for wussies. And I hope tonight that we just stir up the fire of God in some of you. Because I think sometimes we become very complacent. And we've been steamrolled. And we've been lied to. And we haven't stood up and picked up our own swords and fought the battle with the only things that win and that are victorious in God. You know, we were praying before we started here tonight. And I said... Oh, I'm really tired. <laughs> Physically, I felt really wound up. Or I should say wound down. And so they prayed for me, and that's good, but I still felt tired. But you know what I remembered? That my spirit is so excited tonight. My spirit is wall-to-wall Holy Ghost, just like yours. And my spirit wants to give the glory and honor to Jesus tonight, to the mighty name of Jesus. And I really believe that he has something for each one of us that's going to cause victory in areas that we have not experienced victory in. Oh, anybody ready for something like that? All right. I believe that we can break through. And sometimes we feel like that's a really impossible thing, especially if you've been battling and battling. But you know what? The truth is, The battle's already won, and he's already fought our battles for us, and he calls you victorious. So I really think maybe that's in a nutshell of what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, is we oftentimes know what those promises are, but sometimes when we look at our own life, we say, hmm, am I really experiencing that? I know that I can say that God is faithful, but what's, what's happening when my prayers don't always get answered? Is there something wrong with me? Is there something wrong with God? Let's just not start there. Let's just say that every spiritual blessing, and that's our, our text that we've been starting with every week. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed and worthy of praise to be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. I have a habit of doing a lot of reviews, so I'm going to try and shoot through this. But I think some of these are really, really foundational. Because as believers, we are not trying to get something from God. We're fighting to receive the full manifestation of what's already ours in Christ. And that's why we say, hey, there's so many blessings, and we have to start from the premise that it's already done. It's already ours. And we believers, we need to learn to be good receivers. So I don't think there's anything wrong on the supply end, but maybe we need to learn how to be better receivers of everything that God has already accomplished in Christ. In Christ is the key, isn't it? And we talked about see it with the eye of your faith. That's where we can call those things that be not as though they already are. That kind of seems like a riddle, doesn't it? But that means when I have a headache and I'm feeling pain 
And I can say with confidence that I am the healed of the Lord because Jesus already took headaches 2,000 years ago. And then he said, it is finished. And it's waiting for me in the spirit realm. And so I'm going to say in Jesus' name, I'm receiving relief from this headache, relief from pain. You carried it in your body for me. And I'm just simply going to receive it. And honestly, it can be just as simple as that, can't it? So pain has to go. Pain has to go. We see it first, though. We know it's reality in the spirit realm. And then we believe it, and then we can receive it. And we talk about how the faith builds a bridge so that very thing that's already waiting for you with your name on it in the spirit realm can cross over and actually become real in your body. What does the Word of God say about enough faith? We talked about that last week. Oftentimes when prayers aren't answered, we say, well, I just must not have enough faith. Or I might not have a strong enough faith. And I might step on a few toes here, but I'm going to do it anyway. Because there was a teaching, and I remember thinking and, and receiving this, that we have to strengthen our faith because it would be like when the strong man you know, breaks into your house, you have to quick, if you think that you can get strong enough by lifting weights while he's um, burglarizing your house, you're mistaken. And so the idea was you have to strengthen your faith. You have to strengthen your faith. But you know what? In Romans 12, 3, it says, For I say through the grace given to me, every man that's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according to as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. And it's not just a measure, and everybody gets a little bit different measure, you have, in fact, let me blow you your mind right here. Galatians 2.20 says that you have the faith of the Son of God. You have received a deposit of faith that is not from you. It is a supernatural faith, the same faith that Jesus operated in lives in you. Can you wrap your minds around that truth for a moment? Same faith as Jesus. What did Jesus do? Nothing was impossible. He walked on water. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He delivered the demoniac. He laid hands on sick and they did recover. See, we don't have a faith problem. We do not have a faith deficiency. We already have the measure of faith. I have the same measure of faith as you do. And guess what? You have the same measure of faith as Billy Graham and as Jesus. Not that they're on the same level, but, you know, almost. And the same faith and measure that Jesus had, we just need to learn how to use the faith that we already have. And we talked in John 14, 12, and 13, it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, Jesus is speaking, He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name... That I will do, and that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. What an amazing promise that Jesus left us with. And he's giving us permission to use his name. And at the name of Jesus, miracles happened. I believe if we needed to, if it was necessary for your rescue, that you could walk on water. Peter did. <laughs> right? My husband and I sail, and a couple of years ago, we made a rookie mistake and went out sailing, thinking that we could uh, get from, I think we were in Charlevoix, to Mackinac by just following the coast, up, up the coast. We almost always sail kind of along the coast, um, a mile or two out. 
And we got um, out, um, and it began. the wind began to pick up. And we should have had a clue that this was not going to be a great sailing day. I know you say, wind? Your sailboat, why wouldn't you want the wind? Well, the wind and the waves started picking up. And uh, we suddenly realized we had made a very uh, bad navigation error. And when we looked at the GPS, we were heading into shallow waters. We did not realize there was a shoal. And we could no longer follow the coastline. We had to make a very um, quick adjustment, a very um, major change in our course. And we had to head out to deep waters immediately. We would have been gone, we probably would have gone aground had we continued much longer. And unfortunately, at the same time, the wind and the waves were picking up. And that meant that these large waves were hitting us broadside. Let me tell you, that is not fun. And I don't want to exaggerate, but it was like eight footers. That's taller than me. And it would be like eight foot, eight foot, ten. Seven foot, eight foot, ten. It seemed like every so many waves, there were um, huge waves just battering us. And there was a moment when we looked at each other and we said, we don't know if we can do this. But how many of you know sometimes in the middle of your storm of life, you can, you can get kind of uh, in the middle of the turbulent, in the middle of the storm, you think, I don't know if I can do this. But you have to keep going. There was no turning around. And we looked at each other, and I, for a split second I thought, well, Lord, we can command the wind and the waves, and I think we did. <laughs> and we were praying quite loudly. But I thought, you know what, if we needed to, I believe we could walk on water and walk out of this. I really believe that. But what happened was is that we, um, we just had to pray and get our wits about it. So it's like, okay, we don't have a choice here. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And so I remember just saying briefly, uh, and, and we had been praying the whole time, and we knew that turning around was not a good option. And we just said, I said, we just need to take this one wave at a time. Because to look out over the whole lake and see all these waves building and building and coming at us and crashing toward us and, and uh, you know, healing us over uh, <clears throat> in a very scary manner, it was very overwhelming. And so with my husband on the wheel and with all of his strength, he was keeping us as upright as he could with the crash of every wave. And I just said, okay, here comes the big one. And we took it one wave at a time. Here comes the next one. We took one wave at a time. And before we knew it, and it was quite a while, I would say at least an hour to hour and a half, before we knew it, we got out to the deeper waters and we were able to finally turn so that now those same waves that were battering us, those same waves that we had to fight uh, to stay, you know, in an in a upright position, um, they were now pushing us toward our destination. And how many of you know that what the devil meant for your harm, God can turn around for your good. And we ended up getting to Mackinac City in record time because we were being pushed by the wind and the waves that were battering us just hours before. So I just like to tell that story. <laughs> I hope that encourages somebody. But see, the faith that we have is not in our ability to believe, but in the one who has spoken the promise. Amen? So we talked about when we pray, we need to see it, believe it, and receive it. Okay, Jesus said in Luke 10, 19, 
Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. Jesus is talking here. He has given you and I his authority. And I love that he says, you're going to trample on serpents. You're going to trample on scorpions. And over all the power, all the power of the enemy, there is nothing that the enemy can uh, fire at you that is more powerful than what Jesus has provided with the authority of his name. Again, he's giving us permission to use his name. And he says, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So there are some really powerful words in here. And they're small words. But I think they're worth mentioning. First of all, Jesus says, I give you the authority. And he says, over all. Not over some. Not over the easy ones. Not over the ones that we even see coming. But he said, power over all of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. See, it's not about praying enough, memorizing enough scripture, exercising, you know, getting more faith. You've already got the faith. We need to learn to take our authority. The same authority that Jesus said was his. See, is it fair to say that when we're sick, when there's sickness in your body, when there's pain in your body, that it has authority over you at that time? Is that fair to say? Because God's will would be for you to be without that sickness and without that pain, right? And so we have to look at that and say, there's, there's probably many things that we can do. Nothing wrong with going to the doctor. Nothing wrong with surgery. Nothing wrong with medicine. But the truth is, the Bible says that we have the right and we've been given permission to take our authority back and take our authority over sickness. Do you think that's a true statement? So if you're experiencing financial lack and poverty, is that God's best for you? We need to know it's not. He wants, he believes, he wants you to have every need met. And then he's not just a stingy God in, in abundance so that you have more to give. And so can we take authority over that thing that has taken authority over us in the form of lack or poverty? We can take authority over it because that lines up with the word of God. That lines up with his promises. See, Jesus said, all authority do I give to you. And our position is in Christ to retake our authority that's trying to take over us. And that's why I said, Christianity is not for wussies. It just isn't. You, I, I hope I'm stirring some of you up to say, yeah, yeah, that's right. I don't have to put up with that. I don't have to put up with lack in my life. I don't have to put up with this constant pain in my body. And then we just say, because I can receive that promise, and Jesus gave me permission to use his name, I take authority over that. See, Jesus said, greater things will you do in my name. I love this story about authority. And you probably know the story well. The Roman centurion who called on Jesus to heal a dying servant. Now, there's two different accounts of this. 
in the Gospels. One is in Matthew 8 and one is in Luke 7. And you might think that they're conflicting accounts. Because one says the centurion came to Jesus and said, my, my servant lays um, basically on his deathbed. And Jesus said, okay, I'll come. And then the centurion said, it sounded like they had a face-to-face -face encounter. But if you read in, um, let's see, Luke 7, it says that the centurion, who, by the way, was a Roman centurion, he wasn't Jewish, he wasn't Hebrew, but he believed in Jesus. And it was at the hands of the Romans that Jesus was crucified. But he sent for Jesus. And in, in um, I'm sorry, in Luke 7, it says that, he sent his messengers to represent him because this is what he said. He said, tell Jesus that he doesn't need to come to my house. All he needs to do is speak the word. And he says, when Jesus was near the house, the centurion sent friends to Jesus saying, Lord, do not trouble yourself further, for I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. Therefore, I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But just speak a word and my slave will be healed. For I also am a man subject to authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. So it's among most nations, both in Jesus' time and even in our own time, it, it was not uncommon to attribute an act to a person, even if it was not done specifically by that person, but there were messengers sent in the name of that person in authority. This just shows his authority. He sent these servants to Jesus, and Jesus marveled at this man's faith. Jesus marveled that the centurion realized that Jesus had authority just by a spoken word. And he did not even need to appear and uh, lay hands on this man. And it says that when the messengers returned, they found the servant well and healed. So if we've already been given authority in Jesus' name, how then should we pray? Will it change the way we pray? I say yes. I say yes and amen, it does. And you know what that does? That makes us commanders and not beggars. And I'm not saying commanding in a disrespectful way. But what we're commanding, we're never commanding God. Okay, but we are commanding things to line up with the word of God. Think about how Jesus went about healing. What he did and how he said things. Really, what's recorded in, in the Gospels, it, it appears that unless Jesus was preaching, he was really a man of few words. If he was healing, if he was delivering, um, he didn't speak in paragraphs. But he said things like this. He said, young man, I say to you, arise. And a young man was raised from the dead. And then he took full authority over a man's 38-year condition who was laying by the pool of Bethesda. And this poor man said, um, whenever the angel of the Lord stirred the water, whoever got in the water first apparently got healed. It was kind of an interesting move of God, wasn't it? And this poor man, he said, I don't have anybody to put me in the water. I can never get there. And he had been lame for 38 years. And I love this. First of all, Jesus says, do you want to be healed? 
Well, the man kind of, he, he didn't give him a simple yes and no. He gave him that whole explanation. Well, I would be healed if I could just get into the water, but there's nobody around to shove me in the pool at the right time. But Jesus, full of grace and mercy, he said to him very simply, rise, take up your bed, and walk. Now that's a man of authority. That's Jesus speaking, uh, taking authority over this man's lame condition. And it says, immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and he walked. Think about when Jesus and his disciples were in the, the boat, crossing over um, the sea, and suddenly, like our situation, this terrible, horrific storm is uh, kicking up. In fact, it must have uh, been more of hurricane proportions, if you, if you read uh, the original Greek words. And so they were very, very afraid. And you know the story. Jesus was asleep in the boat. He was not afraid. But when they, they came to him and woke him up, Jesus, Jesus, we're about to die. Jesus stood up. Man, a few words, but a man of great authority, right? Jesus is God, but he's taking his, his rightful authority. He simply says, peace, be still. And even the wind and the waves obeyed him. So here he is, and here's Lazarus in the tomb. And Jesus simply said, Lazarus, come out of there. So I just feel like we can learn from Jesus' example what authority sounds like and what confidence in the word of God sounds like and how it affects us in our prayers. Commanding, not begging. Receiving something that God has already provided through Jesus. See, it's not about saying all the nice words and all the right words. And it's not how well you pray. It's what you really believe. Down deep in the core of our believing, what do you really believe? Do we really believe that God's word is true, is for me? Not only does he want to do these or can do these things for us, not only is God able, but he is willing. And we have to know that and believe it. Because when we pray, we are truly releasing the same power that raised Christ from the dead into our situation. You are asking the supernatural to invade the natural. And there is almost always a natural course of things. There is almost always something that um, we've experienced. And according to my experience, according to a doctor's experience, or according to somebody else's experience, this is the natural way that things happen. But you know what? We don't have to be ruled and reigned by what is natural if we are, can invite and know that we can invite the supernatural power of God to invade. And I, I in detail, was... Really thrilled to be able to share with you last week a um, testimony about my father-in-law who um, was literally pronounced brain dead. And if you didn't get a chance to hear it, please do. I actually, uh, you can listen to it on podcast when it gets posted. But um, we were at my father-in-law's house this past week and he said to me, he said, I heard you preached Wednesday night. Well, I don't think they really know what I do, but that's okay. And I said, yep. I said, and I told your story. And I said, and when you're ready, we'll sit down and we'll listen to it. Because you don't even know everything that happened. 
And he began to cry. He says, you're right. He says, but I'm not ready. And I said, that's okay. Because he will hear how God raised him from the dead. And all the hope against hope that the word of God was alive and active and we dared to believe it. We dared to see it with the eye of our faith and not be moved by what we were seeing, what we were being told. And I, if you remember, I prayed a prayer that was coming out of the deepest part of my heart. And I had to close my eyes because what I saw would have discouraged me. But I just simply laid hands on him and all of us gathered around him who are in the room. And I just said, God, we thank you for your healing power. And I said, we dare to believe that my father-in-law, that dad is healed and whole. Lord, we dare to believe that his brain is beginning to be activated. We dare to believe and we command your body in Jesus' name to line up with the word of God that says you are healed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. And nothing that I could see and nothing that we have been told made that seem possible except that Jesus said that with him, with the power and the authority of his name, all things are possible. And we began to see him respond. And, re and he is home. I didn't get to finish that story. And he's doing just wonderfully. There's, there's still things in his body that need to be corrected. But he is alive. And we are thankful for that. But it's not because we're so bold. But it's how bold are we willing to be to truly believe that the word of God is true, and it's true for us. And sometimes we pray kind of like this, Oh God, I'm nothing, I have nothing, but I believe you can do anything. Sounds pretty humble, doesn't it? Please come and move in our midst. Or sometimes we just simply play, pray, Would you please heal me? It's actually kind of polite. But I, you know what I believe really honors God? First of all, we're asking for something that's already ours. And I believe what really honors God are prayers that say, In myself, I am nothing. I don't have the ability or virtue in and of myself, but I am in covenant with you, Father God. I am a brand new creature in Christ. Therefore, you have deposited the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead in my born-again spirit. My confidence is in you, and when I lay hands on the sick, they will recover. Amen. That's what the Word of God says about you. Now that's taking your rightful place of authority. That's who you are, not because we're so good, but because he's so good. Not because we're so powerful, but because he's powerful in us. You're releasing that power of God. It was like releasing resurrection power that was already inside of me. And I, it was like a connection into my father-in-law's body. And we knew, I just knew, I didn't know how long it would take. It didn't take very long that we began to see him respond. So my confidence is not in my ability to pray right. It's not in how much I've prayed and fasted. It's not in all the things that I think I have to do to get God's attention or to twist his arm or to prove my faith. It's not about that. It is about truly believing 
that God's word is true and it lives in you. And you've been given the power, you've been given the, the authority, and you've been given permission to use his name. Anybody here believe in it? All right. Christianity is not for wussies. You've got to stand up and take what's yours. Acts 3, 6, and 8 tells the story of Peter and John who were on their way to the temple. And they stopped to talk to a lame man. He was begging for alms. And Peter said, I don't have any money. I don't have silver and gold. But what I do have, I give to you. And he took his authority in the name of Jesus. And he said to him, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Pretty simple. He learned from the best, didn't he? And what did that man do? It says that Peter took hold of the man's right hand with a firm grip and raised him up. And at once his feet and ankle bones became strong and steady. That one's for Cece. <laughs> That's our granddaughter. <laughs> she needs healing in her ankles. And I read that and I said, Cece, that's for you. You're going to stand and your feet and ankle bones are strong and steady. We command it. They have to line up. That's God's will for her. And leaping forth, he stood and began to walk, and he went into the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Hallelujah. But see, Peter could have given him money, and it wouldn't have helped him. But what he had was the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And he, he, uh, he allowed it to intervene. By faith, he built a bridge so that man could receive healing. I have another story. <laughs> Years ago, I went to India on a mission trip. And I was going as part of the worship team, and I knew I'd be doing a lot of singing. I also play flute. And so I was prepared to do both. And during the course of practicing and praying and meeting together with the team, um, there was a particular song that God just laid on my heart that I needed to sing. I know, it just, it just sounds kind of silly and kind of trivial. But when God asks you to do something, then he has a reason for asking you to do that. But... Even a couple of months before we began, um, or before we left for India, uh, where we were going to be holding nightly um, revival meetings, they called it, um, I began having problems in my throat. To the point where I actually went to a specialist and they did the whole scope and choke thing, you know, trying to see what's going on in my vocal cords. Nothing. They couldn't see anything. But I constantly felt like I had something tight, like tight around my throat. And it was, it was painful, and I couldn't really practice. And I, I'm, a, uh, I'm a study musician, and so practicing uh, is a thing I like to do, and I couldn't even practice. So that was really hard on me. So I had to put my confidence in God. But anyway, we ended up leaving for India, and on the way there, I got terribly sick, and I completely lost my voice. I had laryngitis to the point where it sounded more like a frog than a real person. And I'm supposed to be leading worship. I'm supposed to sing this song. I know I'm supposed to sing this song. God wanted to use this song. And with all my heart, I wanted to do everything that God had put in my heart to do. I didn't know why that was so important, but I wanted to be obedient and I knew that God was asking me to do this. But now I've lost my voice. And I didn't even really have much of a voice to begin with. And I'll tell you what. I begged. I cried. It was a battle. You would have thought it was life and death. And it really wasn't. It was just singing a song. I could have played my flute. And all my logic and reasoning said, what's the big deal? So what? So you fly halfway around the world and you play your flute and you don't sing your song. Big deal. 
but it was a big deal to me because there was something inside. I just knew that I knew that if I didn't win this battle, that I was going to be like handing the devil a club to beat me up on this thing with condemnation and shame. And it was going to hurt me spiritually in a way that it was going to take me a long time to figure out. I needed to win this battle. But it felt like life and death. And we arrived on a Monday, and I was told, you're going to sing that song on Thursday. Everybody knew about the song. We had prayed about it, and it had come up. And I, I just I can't even hardly talk. And like I said, we were praying. I was getting prayed for. I was hoping. I was begging. I was crying. And finally the day arrived, and I was no better. And I was called for a, a sound check. I got there a little bit early, and I began just walking around the seats in the auditorium. And when I tried to talk, it was just really raspy. There was really no voice there at all. And I really came to this point. It was like the rubber was meeting the road. And I just said to myself, said, either this is true or it's not. And right now, something rose up inside of me. I said... I am choosing to believe it's true. Whether I get to sing with full voice or not, at that moment, it didn't matter. I said, I am just simply going to believe this is true. And it was like I had to stamp my foot. And I said, body, voice, in the name of Jesus, you line up with the word of God, says that you're healed and whole. And as I was speaking, I felt like something loosened up in my throat. And I heard my voice for the first time in four days, about 50%. And I began to worship God. I was so excited. Wow, something had really changed. <laughs> I was kind of surprised. But praise God. <laughs> We're learning, right? Little baby steps along the way. This wasn't life and death. This was just trying to get my voice back. And I knew the natural course of things, because this had happened to me before, was at least two weeks. And then to get your speaking voice back. But singing voice, maybe three, four weeks. And it had been four days, and I felt like, okay, I'm about 50%. And it was like everything in me kind of just let down. And then I heard the Holy Spirit say, no, we are going for a complete healing. Don't stop now. And I learned something. God is not happy with halfway. God is not happy for you for just good enough. He says, just keep going. And so I was like, faith up. All right, we're going to keep on going here. And I just kept saying, body, in Jesus' name, you lined up with the word of God. Am I begging or commanding? We're commanding. We're taking authority over it. I hadn't done that the whole four days. I was kind of a pathetic, pitiful puddle the whole rest of the time. But now I was standing up and I said, yes, healing is mine. And I'm not going to settle for anything less than 100%. And just then they called me up and I had a sound check. And did I sing that song from my toenails? Absolutely. And as our group was coming in, they had arrived on the bus. All I could hear in the background was, because they had known the battle that I was in. But let me say this before we close. You have the God-given right to take authority. It came from Jesus. It's not because we're so good. It's because he is powerful and he gifted it to us if we'll use it. If we'll use it. So what are we taking authority over tonight? See, because I believe we need to learn to win the smaller battles. 
Because David learned the lessons of a king in the wilderness, taking care of stinky sheep. But he killed the lion, and he killed the bear. And then he faced the giant, and he was ready for the giant. See, I believe I had to kill my lion and my bear. It was just a dumb song. It was just laryngitis. But in Jesus' name, <laughs> I was ready for the giant. <laughs> I was. So maybe we have to take authority over allergies before something more serious happens to us. Maybe we have to take that first step and say, this isn't good enough. God said it's that all of his precious promises are yes and amen. And they are for every one of us here. Would you just bow with me and let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for your name. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the name above every other name. And I thank you that we've already walked through some of that deliverance tonight, Lord Jesus. But I pray that faith has been stirred here tonight. I pray that anything that we've been battling that is not in perfect line with your will for us, which would be every, every pain healed in Jesus' name. Every sad heart made joyful again. Every broken heart healed. Oh, it's a hurt that hurts like nothing else. Thank you, Lord. You're healing broken hearts right here, right now. Take authority over that. Grieve no more. Sadness, go. Chronic fatigue, go. We're taking authority over you. You have no business here. We're going to fight our battles. Can you do that? This is how we fight our battles. This is how we fight our battles. And we're going to fight our battles because we know we've already won. And so we just thank you, Father God. Praise your name. We're not settling for second best because you gave us your very best. This is how I fight my back. This is how I fight my back. Yes. This is how I fight my back. This is how I fight my back. Jesus. This is how I fight my back. This is how I fight my back. This is how I fight my back.
are victorious, that you have given us your name, and every other name has to bow its knee. And we walk forth tonight in victory. And all God's people said, yes and amen. Hallelujah.